you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody put your hands together and lift up your voice if you know that he's worthy. Come on. Come on. Can we just take a moment and praise Him? Come on, the Scripture says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. From the rising of the sun down to the going down. Oh, yeah! Man, it feels good to be in the house of the Lord. It feels good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So happy to get to be back home tonight and uh, excited for what the Lord wants to do in this house today. How many people came tonight expecting God to do a great work? Amen. Amen. Worst thing that could happen would be for us to leave here the same. God wants to touch somebody tonight. If you have your Bibles, the book of Joel chapter 3 verse 16 also Acts chapter 4, verse number 31. Joel 3.16, Acts 4.31. I tell you, every time they sing that song, I, I really start getting excited. Because if you really stopped and remembered what it was like to live in darkness, when someone started singing about living in the light, something would start to happen. If you remembered where you were when God found you, walking through darkness, walking through despair, walking through deceit, but somewhere down your journey to Damascus, the light shined down and and started changing you directionally. And the Holy Ghost started to move in and God started to do it. That's why when someone starts singing about being in the light, being buried by the blood, something ought to happen. Mm -hmm. You can tell someone that's living in the light from someone that's not. Because when you're really living in the light, something starts coming out of your belly. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that it'll come out of your belly like rivers of living water. Because if you live in the light, you can't be living in darkness. If you live in the light, you can't live in defeat. If you live in the light, you can't live in fear. You can't live worried. You can't live depressed. Because when the light shows up in your life, it begins to reveal things that the darkness has been trying to hide. 
I might just stay right here. When the light moves in, it starts to shine a little bit of truth on the lies that the enemy's been telling you. When he told you that your family can't be put back together. When he told you that you can't be healed. When he told you that you had to live with your impossibility and God said, let me shine a little bit of light on your situation and tell you, I'm still the healer. I'm still the way maker. Come on, how many people has God ever brought you out? Has God ever healed your body? Has God ever made a way? Has God ever made a way where there seemed to be no way? Because something happens when I begin to remind myself about the darkness that he brought me out of and the light that he brought me into. There was something about the light that shined down on me that made a person that was incapable, that made a person that was living defeated, that made a person that was living suicidal. God said, I'm going to shine my light on you. And when the light shines down on somebody, all of a sudden God said, now let me show you through my light the door that I'm going to open. I'm going to make a way of escape for somebody. We better just move on. Joel chapter 3 and verse 16. Joel, uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. The Lord shall also roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 31. And when they had prayed the place, someone say it was shaken. When they had prayed, the place was shaken. It was shaken. I'd like to preach to you for a few moments tonight a supernatural shaking. A supernatural shaking. Would you put your Bibles down and lift up your hands with me all over this house? I'm going to ask you to open up your mouth and just to begin to release faith into the atmosphere tonight. Come on, God's able to do anything, exceeding abundance, above all you can ask or think. God, we thank you in advance for the miracle that you want to do in this house. We thank you for your delivering power. We thank you for your supernatural power. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace, for your healing, Lord, and that you're making a way for somebody, a way of escape. I pray tonight, Jesus, Lord, that as we've come in here tonight, would you settle down all distraction? Would you remove all hindrances? Lord, we release faith into the atmosphere tonight for you to do a mighty work. We'll give you the praise. And we'll give you the glory and we'll give you the honor. And someone said in Jesus' name. Would you, put your, uh, would you put your hands together and lift up your voice as you're seated tonight. And just offer up a shout unto the Lord. In the mid-1800s, there was the great conquistador, Spanish captain, by the name of Captain Cortez, who set sail to a new place. Upon arrival, as Captain Cortez walked out onto the sandy beaches, he looked back at the ships that were behind them, understanding that what brought them there couldn't be the same thing that was going to bring them out. He looked at the men that surrounded him, the people that had his back. He lifted up his voice and told the men, it's time to set fire to the ships. The men begin to look at each other, begin to look all around them trying to understand why Captain Cortez 
would have them almost seemingly commit suicide because they knew that the ship was the only way that they were going to get home, that it was their only way of escape. As a matter of fact, the old story says that one came up to him and lifted up his voice and said, Captain, are you sure that this is what you want to do? Without even uttering a word, the story says that he drew out a sword and he slayed the man where he was. People begin to be quiet and to look at what was happening. As he pulled the sword out of the man, blood running down it. And he looked back at the people that were surrounding him and said, I said it's time to burn the ships. Unbeknownst to the people what was happening, why this great leader would tell them to do something that was so drastic. As the ships begin to burn down to the ground, the captain began to lift up his voice and said, Men, the only way that we're going home is we're going home victorious. For either we're going to return on the ships of our enemy or we're not going to return at all. As he began to cast out a vision for what was going to happen, the legend says that the men begin to sing and to dance in victory. Not because of what had just happened, but because as the ship began to burn, they started to see their doubt burning with it. They started to see their excuses burning with it. And they understood that if they could make up their mind where they are, that they were going to walk in victory. That there was no adversary that could hold them hostage. There was no battle that was too great because they understood that if I'm ever going to be victorious in what my God is telling me to do, I've got to burn all of my excuses. I've got to separate myself from the catalyst of what brought me from my past into my future. I've got to understand that if I can ever go where he's taking me, it's time for somebody to say, I've got to get rid of the excuses. I've got to get rid of the old habits. I've got to bury the old man. Oh, can I tell somebody that what brought you here, it won't take you there, but it's time for somebody to say, I'm burning the ships. I'm turning my back on the old thing. It's time to move forward. You see, the Bible tells us that there was another man, he's a great leader, very anointed by God, very gifted by the name of Samson. Samson, mightily anointed, great strength. The Bible tells us stories about this man named Samson that he would get so riled up, shaken up in the spirit that Samson would begin to do incredible things. Uh, we hear stories about this great man named Samson as he went up to the gates of a city with nothing but his bare hands and began to pull with all of his might as the hinges begin to be broken and the gates he began to lift off of it. The Bible says that Samson began to walk up a great hill and he placed them up on the hill as a monument to the great things that the Lord could do. The Bible tells us about Samson, how when a lion came against him, that he could take the lion in his very own hands. And as he began to rent the lion in two, while the anointing of God was moving over him, the, 
the scripture even tells us that, that this great man named Samson, that when his enemy came against him, that he looked down in the dust of the earth and found a jawbone. And he picked up the jawbone from the dust of the earth as he began to defeat a thousand men. You talk about somebody that was so anointed and gifted. Someone who every time in the face of adversity somehow could find strength in his anointing. You see, there was something about Samson. He wasn't just anointed, but Samson was in covenant. Could I just preach to somebody for a few moments that there is power in your covenant? I said there's power in your covenant. There's a reason that we worship like we do because there's power in our covenant with God. There's a reason that we dress like we do because there's power in your covenant. There's a reason that we live like we live because there's power in the covenant. So many great stories. Not about the power of Samson, but simply about the power of God that was working through him. The Bible tells us that Samson went out into the field and started to gather foxes. Went out. I mean, you can imagine how quick a fox is and exactly what it would take to catch one. I don't want to try it. The Bible says he went out and he began to grab the foxes and tie their tails together. And as Samson reached down and took fire and lit the tails of the foxes and turned them loose. The foxes begin to run through the fields of his enemies and begin to burn the crops down to the ground because everything that came into contact with that fire started to respond. I'm a, I could just see Samson as he stands up on the hill looking at what he had just done. Looking at the faithfulness of God as the power of God once again begins to defeat his adversaries. As a fire begins to burn and Samson now tastes the sweet taste of victory as he tasted many, many times before. But there was something about Samson though he was gifted. Though he knew what it meant to set things on fire. There was a place that Samson finally fell because he knew how to defeat the enemy. He knew how to gather the foxes. He even knew how to set them on fire but somewhere along the story of Samson Samson never figured out what it meant to set himself on fire Samson didn't understand what it meant to build the altar. He didn't understand what it would mean. You see, he could, he could see the fruition of the things that he did, but, but I believe that there's an untold story of Samson, what would have happened if Samson would have ever begun to get really consecrated. What could have happened if Samson would have begun to build the altar? What would have happened if Samson began to light himself on fire? Because every time Samson walked in the anointing, you would see people would begin to see him. Oh, how many people that are in this house today that you've been anointed and gifted by God to do incredible things. You're mightily used by God. You see incredible things happen. And every time that the anointing begins to come over you, it's as if that you have been lit as a city set on a hill. And people all around you begin to see as your ministry begins to burn. They begin to see as the fruition of your ministry begins to affect the things around you. And you still Step back and you see how God is using you. But could it be that could it be that you know how to set your surroundings on fire, but you've never quite figured out how to set yourself on fire? You're willing to be used by God, but you're not willing to give it everything. You're willing to be anointed by God 
but you're not willing to make the final step. You're willing to go down the journey that God has taken you, but when you look back at the same thing that could, that could be your excuse for why you never did what God called you to, and somewhere along the lines, there's a separation between what God has called you to do and what you're actually willing to give. What the Lord wants to do through you and what your imagination can comprehend. The mighty things that God has called you to and what you'll actually do. Not because God's not able. Not because he's not capable. But because many are called but few are chosen. You ever wondered why that is? Because few people are willing to do what it takes. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Few people are willing to do what it takes to really see the fruition of what the Lord wants to do in the middle of their lives. You see, the Bible tells us about a, about a man named Paul in the book of Acts. He was on his third missionary journey. It, the scripture says that God is doing special miracles through the hands of Paul. Bible talks about that they lay handkerchiefs upon him, that they take the handkerchiefs off and go and take him to the sick. That as those handkerchiefs would take the sick that had been on the skin of Paul, that all of a sudden miracles would begin to happen. Things would begin to transpire. Great healings, great miracles, everything around him began to change because Paul understood what it meant to light himself on fire and let people watch him burn. You want to know what people are going to come to church for? It's not to see you sit idly by. It's not to see you as a song service begins to play and a few people worship. It's not to watch you as the preacher preaches and, and we're such professional Pentecostals that we know the right times to clap and the right times to stand and the right ways to respond. But, but someone out in this lost and dying world is looking for somebody to get so lit with the fire of the Holy Ghost that everywhere that you go that you're like a city that's been set upon a hill. Can I tell you that when you light yourself on fire, everything that you come into contact with all of a sudden begins to respond. Paul dripping so much with the anointing that everything that he came into contact with began to saturate him. It began to be affected by the anointing that was dripping off of Paul. Because when you truthfully walk in the anointing, everything that you come into contact with will begin to respond. There's something about the anointing that the, that the scripture says that the anointing, as it's poured upon the head of the person being anointed, it begins to run down their hair and down their face. That it begins to get into the garment that everywhere that they go, that the aroma of the anointing is so strong that they can't hide anywhere without somebody knowing that they've been anointed by God. There's something about the anointing that when you're anointed and it begins to make its way down your garment, down to your shoes, and it begins to soak into the things that are even connected with you. You see, Paul, Paul understood what it meant for those around him to begin to be affected by the anointing that covered him. You see, some people in this place, you've been praying that God would respond to your prayers to your needs but what God's trying to tell somebody is that if you would begin to really walk in the anointing if you would begin to be so saturated in the fire of the Holy Ghost it's the same reason that everywhere that the foxes ran that everything that came into contact with their tails all of a sudden begin to be lit on fire because when you walk in the anointing the things that are surrounded
surrounded by you, all of a the sudden they'll begin to burn so bright. I'm trying to help somebody. It wasn't because of the power that was in the name of Paul. It wasn't because he was so special. It wasn't because he was so different. It's because Paul said, everywhere that I go, when I come into contact, something's got to leave different. Something's got to leave changed. Something's got to live effective. I'm trying to help somebody. You want to know what God wants to do through you. God wants you to begin to reach out and to touch all the things that are surrounding. When you go to your job, reach out and touch somebody. When you go to your schools, reach out and touch somebody. When you meet them out in the store, reach out and touch somebody. Oh, because there's power. There's power in the anointing. I said there's power in the anointing. There's power in the decision. There's power in the anointing. There's power in the fire of the Holy Ghost. I wonder right now, would you lift up your hands and lift up your voices? I'm going to ask you right now to begin to pray with fervency. God wants to speak to somebody in this house right now. Come on, lift up your voices. Lift up your voices with me. Come on, let's just let the Lord move right now. The Holy Ghost is in this room. The Holy Ghost is in this room right now. There's people that you've been walking, living in despair. You've been walking through your life, living beat down and defeated. And, and you feel like that the enemy's overcome you. But what God's waiting on somebody to do is just release the anointing. God's waiting on somebody to just reach out. Somebody just to release what you have a hold of. Because if you begin to release what you have, you see, you can't fake anointing. You want to know what separates us from the Baptist church down the road? It's something about the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Something about the anointing. You see, that's why the Bible talks about in the upper room that when they begin to speak with other tongues, as a spirit begin to give us the utterance that all of a sudden, that it said that, it said that God was going to send a sign on earth of blood and a fire and a vapor and a smoke. Because when the fire begins to burn, people from a distance can look out and they can see the smoke that's rising. And they understand that what they're seeing, it's not about the smoke, but it's about what's causing the smoke. I don't know if you're really getting what I'm trying to tell you here tonight. You see, there was something about Paul. People, people that surrounded him, they knew that there was something about him that was so different. They knew that there was something about him that was so powerful, the anointing, the authority that Paul walked in. People begin to take notice of what was happening because when you walk in the supernatural, the things in heaven and the things on earth all of a sudden begin to snap to attention. Things that hide among you in plain sight all of a sudden begin to be revealed. Something that happens when you walk in the anointing. The Bible tells us that there were people that saw what was going on through the hands of Paul. They weren't very happy because there was these men, the, the seven sons of Siva. You see, Siva was the high priest in the day. He, 
Siva was the man that people looked to. He was, he was what you could maybe even call the chief priest, the, what people looked to as the spiritual authority. And, and Siva started to see what was happening, and, and his sons began to see what was happening. And, and if you begin to look who the seven sons of Sceva were, then, then you would see that they also knew what it meant to walk in a spirit. Not the spirit, but a spirit. And it said that the seven sons of Siva, that, that what was so special about them was that they were exorcists. You see, they, they lived in the dimension of vibrations. People, people that, 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 that they, don't, they don't have to be filled with the Holy Ghost to know that when they meet you that something's different. It says that the seven sons of Siva started to watch what was happening. That they began to talk amongst each other and say, well, if Paul's doing this, why can't I too? It says that the seven sons of Siva got together and they begin to try to summons the God of Paul. They begin to try to summons a spirit. The scripture says that as they begin to do a ritualistic things, as, as they begin to try to summons what was happening. And then all of a sudden, as they as they begin to summons it, they started to find out that what they were summonsing wasn't quite what Paul was walking with. As you see, there's a lot of things that you can hide. There's a lot of things that you can cover up. There's a lot of things that you can pretend, but what you cannot pretend is the anointing. What you, what you, what you cannot pretend is the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, I remember growing up hearing mighty stories of men like T.W. Barnes, Lee Stone King, Billy Cole, Nona Freeman, many names that as I stand here before you tonight and I mention them, your mind begins to go back and to recollect stories that you've heard, how they'd lay hands on the sick and things would happen. Stories about how they would look out into the air and the storms begin to move in and they'd begin to speak to the storm and all of a sudden the storm would leave. You see, in my Bible, I carry two things with me tonight. I carry them everywhere that I go. First thing that I carry with me is a little cloth here that says Acts 19 and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought sick handkerchiefs. To always remind myself that what God wants to do is not ordinary. What God wants to do is not ordinary. Try it again. What God wants to do is not ordinary. I said it's not ordinary. It's not ordinary. To remind myself that every time that people walk into the house of God and they see me that something ought to not be ordinary. Second thing that I carry here is this little handkerchief with a pink end. No, it's not mine. That was funny. Little pink handkerchief here within. This handkerchief, it was carried by Nona Freeman. Anybody ever heard of Nona Freeman before? Handkerchief was carried by Nona Freeman. Nona Freeman would go out and preach to people incredible stories about how she'd begin to walk in and the Lord would give her a word and all of a sudden something would begin to transpire. Is everyone okay tonight? We're going to go somewhere in the Holy Ghost. You just got to hang with me here for a minute. Stories that people would tell as Nona would begin to walk into services and lay hands on people and all of a sudden, man, things would begin to break. Things would begin to happen. Stories about how she would take the same handkerchief and laid on the head of people and, and would just begin to pray, not an extravagant prayer, but just a simple prayer. And all of a sudden, something would begin to bust loose and miracle signs and wonders would begin to happen. 
I met a guy by the name of Jay. Jay might be listening tonight. I met a guy by the name of Jay who used to travel with Nona Freeman. Jay wanted to talk to me after service and told me stories about her and, and told me that he wanted me to take her study Bible home with me. And I started to flip through the pages of the, of the study Bible just to, just, to see, just to see what she would write. And I was looking for something that was so great, something that was so extravagant that I would read it and all of a sudden man, it would just blow my mind. Started to flip through the pages. Look at what she would say. And I read some great things. Found some great notes, saw some really cool things. But the one thing that I noticed that Sister Freeman wrote over and over and over and over and over is she said, tell them they have it. Tell them they have it. Tell them they have it. As I begin... Starting out in my ministry, I started traveling around. There's one preacher in particular that I'd hear. He was preaching everywhere, preaching all over the place. If I named his name, you'd probably know who he is. And I'd hear that the guy was preaching three, four, five hours away. I'd get in my car and take off that way to go hear what he was doing. I'd show up to the service. I'd sit on the front row waiting for the altar call to happen because as soon as the altar call was going to happen, man, I was fixing a bus. You about to see a fat boy run. And man, I'd wait. He'd preach. The Holy Ghost would move. And I'd be sitting there on the edge of my seat ready to go up. He'd give the altar call. I'd run up. People all around me sick. And I'd lift up my hands real high. I'd be like, Jesus, Jesus, look out of the corner of my eye, trying to see if he's moving my way. Some of y'all are laughing because that's what you do. Lift up my hands, trying to wait. Never forget the first time I met him, I said, would you please lay your hands on me? He said, sure. He laid his hands on me. He prayed a simple prayer, and I was waiting for the lightning bolts to flash. I was waiting to feel my coattails start to burn. It never happened. Man, I'd wait. He'd walk by. God, did I really just drive here for that? I'd go home, and I'd. Walk into service and wait for it to hit me, and it still really wouldn't hit me. I'd walk in ready to lay hands on someone and, man, see a limb grow back. I hadn't really seen it. A couple months went by, I heard he's preaching somewhere else. Drove three hours one way, and then in the snow, drove back six. Gotta love Indiana. Went there, was waiting on him. Man, I was waiting. I was ready to meet him again. He preaches, gives the altar call to take off, lift up my hands, waiting on him to come by and just lay his hands on me. I went up and I lifted my hands and he walked by me. I said, excuse me. He turned around and I said, hey, could, you, could you lay your hands on me? He said, haven't I prayed for you before? I said, yeah. I said, but I came here tonight just, just because I want you just to lay your hands on me again. He laid his hands on me and prayed. No lightning. No thunder. No fire. Went home still waiting for something to happen. Never happened. Finally, I told myself, you know what's happening is I put too much gel in my hair. And when he lays his hand, there's something that's not conducting. There's, some, there's a problem with the conduction. Help me, somebody. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to where he is again. Let's try this one more time. No gel. 
I shaved my head instead. I did. Waited on him, man. Here he goes. He's preaching, walking through the crowd. Miracles are happening. I'm standing by and saying, God, I'm praying and I'm fasting. I'm driving hours. I'm spending money I don't have just trying to get what he's got. Lord, let tonight be the night. Here he goes again. I'm ready. Man, I look like Usain Bolt, just shorter and fatter. I'm down. I'm down. I'm waiting for that altar call to happen. He gives it. Man, I take off. Run up to the front. Lift my hands up again. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready. He starts going through praying with people. He walks by me again. Look out of the corner of my eye. Walks on by me. I'm standing there. I'm not going to lie. I got mad. Okay. I came there trying to receive. I drove all the way here. You better lay your hands on me right now to lay holy hands on somebody. (laughs) He walked by me. I said, excuse me. And he looked back and he smiled. He said, you again. That's right. Me again. He said, how far did you drive this time? I said, five hours. He said, you get in a hotel? Nope. Driving back, might sleep in my car. He came up. He said, so, what's up? I said, man, I just want you to lay hands on me one more time. Because I know that if you lay hands on me, that all of a sudden, Something's going to happen. Something's going to break. I'm going to leave there walking. Man, it's going to be incredible. The man looked me square in the face and said, I'm not praying for you again. He's like, look, bro. (laughs) Hang on. So what do you mean you're not going to lay hands on me again? He said, I'm not laying hands on you again. He said, what I will do is I'll pray that you would be able to open up your eyes to see what you have. He said, what are you talking about? He said, son, you want to know the difference in between you and I? I said, 60 years, I don't know. (laughs) What's up? He said, you want to know the difference in between you and I? He said, I have it and I believe it. You have it and you don't. Looked at him, I said, "What what do you mean? He said, do you have the Holy Ghost? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you have the anointing? Yes, sir. He said, your problem is you believe in me more than you believe in God. And if you believed in God as much as you believed in me, you might actually see something happen. See, some people came up in here. You can only show up when an evangelist is coming into town because you've got more faith in the man that comes in traveling, preaching than you do in the God of the man. Some of y'all only think that you can be healed if the right person lays hands on you, if Brother Duggar prophesies over you, if Pastor comes up. But what you've got to understand is if you've got the Holy Ghost, there ought to be something burning so bright inside. I'm trying to tell somebody, you are more anointed than you realize. You are more gifted than you realize. You are more powerful then you realize. He laid his hands on me again, tears streaming down my face. 
and said, God, I pray that you give him the ability to see who he is through your eyes. To see who you are through the eyes of God. Didn't feel lightning. Didn't smell the smoke. But I went home determined, trying to understand what he prayed over me. Came down to the church at 4 o'clock in the morning, crawled down into the altar, got down on my face and prayed. I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but Lord, he told me just to believe it. I'm nobody special. Help me out, somebody. I'm nobody special. I'm really not even that gifted. But God, I'm going to trust in you that this is more about you than it is about me. And what you're looking for, God, is not somebody that's gifted, but it's somebody that's willing to make the steps that it takes to be used by. See, some of y'all are waiting for someone to come up and hand you a pulpit. God's waiting on you to get consecrated. Some of y'all are waiting for pastor to come and say, hey, I want you to take over this ministry. How can somebody reach over and hand you a ministry when you can't get up and pray in the morning? I'm not trying to be mean tonight. But some people are so hungry for position and power and opportunity that you lose sight of the fact God doesn't care if you preach in the pulpit. He cares if you make it to heaven. God doesn't care if it's your name in lights. He cares that you see the light. He doesn't care if people know your name. He cares that you talk about his name. I talked about it today at Lebanon. There's a season to everything. You look out into the field. In the spring, it's time to plant. In the summer, it's time to tend to the plant. And in the fall, it's time to harvest. But the problem is some people are trying to harvest before they ever plant. You would talk about emotionalism. Emotionalism says, man, I'm so ready and you decide to plant it. But then in May and June, you forget that you ever planted the seed. Are you trying to come up in the house of God and let somebody else take care of what you planted? I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. You try to walk up in the house of God after you tried to plant something in the month of February in the awakening, you walk up and you're like, I planted it, pastor, now tend to it. Can I tell you that no man can tend to what you planted? I said no man can tend to what you planted. But if you want to reap a harvest, it takes the progression of the seasons. See, someone walked in here tonight in a season of defeat. Can I tell you that that season will too come to an end? You walked in here tonight in a season of sickness. That season will come to an end. But you cannot reap the harvest before you watered what you planted. And if you never planted anything, you can't expect to reap your harvest. But you're living in the middle of consumerism. Somebody else grow the cattle. Somebody else kill them. Someone package them. Restaurant cook them. Then I'm just going to show up and eat it. Go out, plant the crops, run the combine, put it in the storehouse, put it in the package. I'm just going to go up and just add water. 
talk about consumerism. Could it be that it's the same consumerist mentality that shows up in the church? Study your message, preach your sermon, entertain. It's a nice song, choir. Y'all are laughing. It's a nice sermon, preacher. Light yourself on fire, do your dance, beat your drum. Just because you beat your drum doesn't mean I'm going to follow you. Just because you do your dance doesn't mean you're going to move me from where I'm at. And some of y'all walk up in here trying to figure out why some people are living in blessing while you're still living in defeat. Is this okay? I'm way off my nose. Y'all are still trying to figure out why some people walk in with their heads lifted high and hands up. And you think that just because they're worshiping that everything's okay. When in reality, some of the people that are leading you in worship are walking through a hell that you ain't even known. You think that just because the preacher gets up and preaches a sermon and tells you that everything's going to be all right, sometimes everything's not all right. Because people get up and start to preach to you and tell you that that means that they're not dealing with it in their own. But you know what they're doing every time they preach it? Every time that someone begins to worship when they're not feeling like it. Because they remembered it was a few years ago that they planted the seed. And every time I begin to worship, even though my harvest hasn't happened, I'm tending to what's been planted. I said I'm tending to what's been planted. Because they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy joy. You want to know what it's going to take for you to finally step into the season of harvest? It's time for someone to begin to tend what's been planted. He said, God send me a harvest. He said, the harvest has been in front of you the entire time. I'm still trying to send the laborers. Could you imagine if the, if the farmer drove through the field in the middle of summertime Started trying to harvest corn before the corn was ready. Go through all of the work, all of the process. Pastor, I'm ready to preach. If you quit looking at what you're looking at on the internet first. He can't say it, I can't, I'm leaving. Pastor, I'm ready for you to put me in charge of a ministry. Where are you at prayer meeting? Well, Pastor, what? What on earth does that have to do with what God's calling me to do? Because there's somewhere from the time of planting to the time of harvest. To everything there is a season. And to every season there is a time. And when people try to walk, <laughs> when people try to step out of the season that they're in into the season they want to be in before it's time, you could run your harvest. If you try to harvest in the time of planting, there's not going to be any fruit. But if you try to plant in the time of harvest, still not going to be any fruit. You want to know the best thing that children of God could do is say, Lord, I don't know why I'm in this season, but I know that if I do what I'm supposed to in this season, that you're going to bring me to the promise of next season. 
You see, it's just like the farmer in the field that says, I'm fixing to plant my seed even though I don't know what's coming next. Because if I do what I'm supposed to in this season, God, you're going to do what you're supposed to in next season. God, if I plant my seed now, then you're going to help me tend to my seed tomorrow. And if I tend to the seed tomorrow, then you're going to help me harvest the seed the next day. I'm trying to help somebody that doesn't understand why you're not walking in harvest. God's saying it's time for you to walk in the season. I prophesy to somebody right now that you're sowing in a season of tears. Get ready, because joy's coming in the morning. Someone that walked in here and you're living in the season of sickness, get ready, because healing is coming. It's as simple as this. If God's not a man that he should lie, then I have to reap what I sow. You want to know what reaping what you sow looks like? It was about three, four months ago. Destiny and I, we, we were at a service. The thing about evangelizing, you're always broke. Always. I got $6,000 in credit cards that I can use just in case. Destiny and I walked into a service. The Holy Ghost was moving. Y'all better not be sitting down on me too much because I'm about to be done here. We walked into a service. The Holy Ghost started to move. I sat there. They started to take up an offering. Had $135 in my checking account. I sat there as the man started to talk about it, saying, he's not preaching to me. I don't even go here. Sitting there, and all of a sudden, the Lord says, give $100. He ain't talking to me. Said, the Lord said, give $100. said, God, that's almost everything I have. He said, give 100 I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm about to talk my way out of what God's asked me to. I looked at Des. I said, Des, you feel like we need to give anything? She said, yeah. That's right. <laughs> you want to know where a person's faith really lies, just look in the checking account. I said, how much you feel like we're supposed to give right now? She said, I think we need to give $100. I said, no. I said, okay. But you understand we only have like $130. She said, I know it. I said, all right. Man, I reached down, pulled out a checkbook, wrote out a check, started walking to the front saying, God, anytime you're ready to send the ram and let me take my son off the altar, I'm ready to receive it. I walked up. Placed the money down in the offering plate. We took hands with each other and just started to cry. It's easy to give a little bit, but what about when God says it's time to give everything? Y'all trying to send your ships. God said, burn them. I said, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to trust you with what you've told me to sow right now. We went back and cried. I'm talking ugly cry. Ugly. Like some of y'all. Uh, we went, we went back and started to cry because we knew that this wasn't just an offering where God was asking us to give a little bit. I mean, you're talking about everything. Couldn't pay my truck payment, couldn't afford to put gas in it. Didn't even know if I really even had enough money to go out to eat afterwards. Man, we drove home, had like an eighth of a tank by the time we got back. Maxed out credit cards. It's a great combination. Got back, went to bed that night, woke up, 
It's like, Des, I had a dream that we gave $100. She said, we did. Oh, Lord. Walked down into the sanctuary. I started to pray. I said, God, you see what you've asked me to sow today, what you asked me to sow last night. But, God, if you don't do a miracle, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Hour went by, nothing happened. I was waiting on a stork to just drop $100 out of the sky. Went around, finally I looked at Des, I said, well, maybe it's not coming, it's all right, it's going to be okay. Got down in the altar and started praying, because when you really need a miracle, that's what you're going to do. Said, God, I gave what you asked me to give. And I started to pray a scripture prayer, I said, but Lord, the last time I checked, you said in your word that I will reap what I sow. Now, I'm sowing in faith, Lord, so now it's time for you to send a harvest. You see, when you start to pray a scripture prayer, all of a sudden something begins to happen. About two, three hours went by. I sat there. All of a sudden, my phone went off. Picked it up said, hello? I didn't know who it was. He said, is this gentry? I said, it depends. What do you want? He said, you were at a service last night in Dallas, correct? I said, yes, sir. He said, the Lord spoke a word to me. And I tried to find you last night, but I couldn't find you. He said, the Lord told me to give you $700. I started to cry. I said, you have no idea what happened last night. I said, what time did the Lord tell you to do it? He said, it was after the offering. I stood there finally understanding this concept. That when the Lord says everything, he's not asking for partial for a reason. Because what God's getting ready to give somebody, it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You want to know what I did with the $700? I paid a bill I had. I had $300 left. You know what God said next? Give 200. I said, all right, Lord. You want to do a work? I'm ready to let you do it. Went out in the ATM, grabbed $200. Had $100 left in my checking account. Showed up to service, laid $200 down. I lifted up my hands. I said, God, if you did it for me before, then I know you can do it for me again. About two days went by. All of a sudden, somebody called me. And said, Gentry, I don't know how to explain it. He said, but the Holy Ghost told me to give you $1,000. When you begin to respond to what the Holy Ghost is speaking to you, things around you will begin to change. You want to know what you ought to do tonight if you came in here needing a financial miracle? I didn't even go preach on this tonight. You want to know what you could do if you came in here really needing a financial miracle? You could give your way and do a financial miracle. I said you could give your way and do a financial miracle tonight. There's four people in here tonight. The Lord's been dealing with you about giving an offering. If you'd give it back, God's going to give it back to you threefold. I said it's going to come back to you threefold. You see, whether it's giving, whether it's worship, whether it's giving of your time, 
when you begin to sow into the kingdom, you're sowing into the greatest. <laughs> you're buying the best stock that you could buy because that's a stock that's not going to return back to your void. Is this okay? Been asking my dad since I've been gone what's been happening. He shares a few things with me. We do that. I'm going to tell you there's two needs that the church has tonight, and he didn't ask me to do this. I'm going to leave tomorrow, so hopefully he don't kill me. Two needs that the church has. A need of people's time and a financial need tonight. Pastor didn't ask me to do this. This was not in my notes. I'm going to do it anyway. Never done this. Here we go. First time. Two needs that the church has. Can I tell you that this ministry team can't do it by themselves? The church has a need of dedicated time and also dedicated giving. The Holy Ghost told me to do something a few minutes ago, and we're just going to try something a little bit different tonight. How many people came here tonight? Why don't you just stand up on your feet all over the house real quick. How many people came here tonight with a real need, physical, financial, emotional? Lift up your hand real high. You came here tonight with a real need. Come on, lift it high. Came here tonight with a real need. The Lord's already spoken in this house that if you would give what God's been dealing with you about, there's going to be miracles that are going to break loose. I'm talking financial. I'm talking giving of your time. I'm talking giving in prayer. Wherever you can give, if you would begin to sow into the field, there's a harvest that's still coming to Frankfurt. We've lost people. We've lost givers. That's all right. There's a harvest that's still coming to Frankfurt. There's a harvest that's coming to Frankfurt. And what the Lord's waiting for is somebody to say, God, I'm not going to keep withholding of my time. I'm not going to keep withholding of my finances, but I'm ready to give everything. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, if you make up in your mind, I'm burning the ships, I'm walking away from my normal giving, I'm ready to step into promise. If you would step into giving, you'll then step into reaping. These needs are real tonight. These needs are real tonight. If you're in ministry, if you're on the board, you know what I'm talking about. These needs are real tonight. But I feel like that there's some people in here today that have made up your mind, no matter the cost, I'm about to sow into revival. I'm going to ask you right now all over this building to lift up your hands high to heaven. And I want you to begin to intercede in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, lift up your voice all over this house. It's too quiet. Lift up your voice all over the house.
Come on, you can change what's surrounding you. You can change what's going on in your home. You can change what's going on in your body. I bind cancer right now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to open up these altars here in just a minute. Twofold tonight. Check, cash, text to give, however you can do it. I'm going to ask you. This isn't something that I would normally do tonight. But I felt to do it in the Holy Ghost. I've just got to obey what God's saying. I want you to come tonight giving. And after you've given, the music team's going to fire up. We're going to sing and shout and dance and however you want to do it. Your giving is planting the seed. Your worship is nurturing the seed. And if you'll plant it and you'll nurture it, I'm here to tell you that harvest is coming. I said harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. I see it. It's just a cloud the size of a man's hand. But there's a miracle that's coming to Frankfurt. I want you to lift up your hands and ask the Lord right now what he's asking you to give. Come on, front to the back. If you believe in it, you'll give to it. And if you'll give to it, a miracle is going to happen in your home tonight. I want you to lift up your hands and just ask the Lord what he's asking you to give tonight. Come on, all over the house. All over the house. All over the house. There's a real need tonight. And in this house, there's a real answer. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Here's what we're going to do tonight. The band's going to fire up. I want you to come tonight with your offering in your hand, and your hand lifted high. You're not going to come tonight giving with regret, giving somberly, but you're going to come tonight giving happily. Tonight we're going to give with a smile on our face tonight. Are you ready to plant the seed? I'm waiting for a few more people. Are you ready to plant the seed? All right. God's going to do a miracle in this house tonight. Do you believe it? You believe God's going to do a miracle in the house? I want you to lift up your hands right now in worship. And I want you just to begin to worship the Lord in your own way. Right now. Right now, just begin to worship the Lord. God, I speak financial miracles are going to happen tonight. Financial blessing is going to happen. Breakthroughs coming into somebody's home. Breakthroughs coming into somebody's home tonight. Come on. Come on, it's time to give. I want you to move quick. I want you to move quickly. Everybody ought to be coming out of their seats tonight. God's getting ready to do a miracle. God's getting ready to do a miracle. God's doing a miracle tonight. Come on, don't come with your head hanging down low. 
I want you to come with your face up to heaven and your hands lifted high. Maybe all you can give is time. You're going to give your time. Maybe you've got a financial offering to give. You need to give it tonight. Because if you'll plant the seed, harvest is coming in your family. okay you came tonight and you need a miracle I want you to move down to the front real quick real fast you came tonight and you need a miracle I want you to move down to the front let's go financial mental emotional physical in your home come on people came tonight with needs This kind of giving will release the supernatural. It will release the supernatural. Now the Lord spoke a word and said if we'll sow it and we'll nurture it with worship, that you have a promise of harvest. I don't know what your harvest looks like. Maybe it's a lost loved one. Maybe it's healing in your body. Maybe it's financial breakthrough. But whatever your harvest looks like, I want you to get ready because the season is ending and a season of harvest is coming. I want you to lift up your hands right now. All over this house, I want you to stretch your hands forward to people that are here. If you feel like laying your hands on them, you can do it. Be wise tonight. I want you to begin to pray with authority and boldness tonight that miracles are going to break out. Come on, it's coming tonight in the name of Jesus. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody praise him. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here tonight. The Holy Ghost is here tonight. There's a miracle for somebody. Oh. 